Thanks, Danica. Friends, if you've got your Bibles there, I'm going to encourage you to keep them open. Uh, there will be passages on the screen so that you can follow on, but uh, great to have God's Word open in front of you. Uh, what a privilege it is to have a God who speaks. And uh, so as we read the Bible, uh, it is not that they're just reading words that have been written on the page by a bunch of people. It's actually God himself who speaks to us. And so uh, we ought to uh, listen carefully and hear what he says to us. Let's pray together and ask God to help us to do that tonight. Let's do that. Our gracious God, we give you thanks that you're a God who speaks and reveals yourself to us so that we are not in the dark, so that we are not without knowledge of who you are and what it means to be in a relationship with you. And we pray, Lord God, tonight as we continue our series in wisdom, you would help us to understand where true wisdom truly lies. And Father, as we do that, help us to put our hope and trust in you. So give us ears to hear what you speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit of a straw poll here. Who has ever heard of Alan Bond? Hey, yes, we have four people. Excellent. That's always good to start with an illustration that no one knows who you're talking about. Alan Bond, let me just bring you into the picture. He's not that old. Alan Bond is, uh, is famous in Australia for a couple of things. One is because he was the guy that bankrolled um, Australia winning the America's Cup for the first time after about 140-odd years or something like that, I think it was. Um, and he, uh, along with, you know, he funded the, the ability to, to, to um, create the winged keel, the first winged keel on uh, the yacht that then uh, blew the Americans out of the water and uh, the race has not been the same ever since. So he was famous for that, a uh, great friend of Bob Hawke who told people that if they didn't let their, uh, if they kind of, you know, sacked their workers who didn't turn up to work the next day because they're still hung over because of celebrating that they were bums, that kind of thing. So he's famous for those kind of things, but he's also famous because he ended up in jail uh, as a fraudster who frauded many, many people out of their money. And so Alan Bond is famous for those. And I was reminded of Alan Bond this week in a conversation I had. And I remembered a story that was told about him. When he went to jail, um, he's clearly one of those guys that has lived the high life and he comes into jail and he's in a very different situation. There's a bit of a, a, a mark on him, okay? Guys looking out for this bloke. And so there's a sense in which there's a little bit of danger. And he was, uh, on one occasion, he was lining up for food and the other prisoners would serve the food to the prisoners. And as he was lining up, it got to him. There's this big giant of a man behind the, uh, the server serving the food. And when Alan Bond came past, he basically got the whole pot of slop, whatever it was, and tipped it on Alan Bond's plate so that it just went everywhere. And uh, Alan Bond is in a moment of, well, how am I going to handle this situation? And uh, he says, you know what? He said, I heard the food was good here. I just didn't know the helpings were so good. And... Um, you're supposed to laugh at the point. That's okay. Don't need to. It was. I think that's an incredibly smart way, isn't it? What a wise guy to actually handle what was potentially a very difficult situation in that particular way. And so, is Alan Bond a wise man? Well, let's just wait and see. Uh, the generation in which we live is the most prolific, I think, of all generations. Uh, we have more university graduates today than ever before, and yet. While many people actually achieve their bachelor degrees, in our competitive job market, sometimes even that's not enough. You've got to have a master's or perhaps even a doctorate. Uh, increasingly, you have to have at least a master's degree to get into some places. Uh, knowledge here in our country, knowledge around the world, is exploding. We travel further and fly higher than any previous generation in history, at least outside of COVID. We accumulate data as never before. 
the cyber world is advancing at almost the speed of light. And yet, while knowledge is increasing, it might be fair to say that wisdom is decreasing. Many lives are in shambles. Suicide rates are higher than ever before. Morality is scoffed at. Divorce claims almost half of those who are married. Our attitudes to sex and sexuality are devastatingly destructive. There is an ever-increasing ever breakdown of trust in our society. And so while we possess great knowledge, we must admit that, that we're missing one very important ingredient. That is wisdom. And one quote I read said this, Never mistake knowledge for wisdom. One helps you make a living, the other helps you make a life. That's the idea we saw when we looked at Proverbs chapter 1 last week when uh, Kurt opened that up to us. Wisdom is not simply intelligence. It's not directly related to your IQ. The basic idea of wisdom is that it is the skill of living. It's a practical knowledge that helps a person to know how to act and how to speak in different situations. It includes the ability to avoid problems and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. Wisdom is the word that the Bible uses to describe the person who navigates life well. But it's more than that. Because we saw last time that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God is recognising that he is the creator and that we are the creature. We recognise that this is God's world and that he's actually ordered life's relationships and patterns. And so being wise is not simply about observing that there is order in the world. It's about being in relationship with the one who gave the world order. And so that's when we actually start to deal with the real world and know how to live wisely in it. That's why uh, Kurt took us through to Deuteronomy chapter 12, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 last week and showed us how wisdom starts with worship. Wisdom begins when you place God at the centre of your world. In fact, the Bible teaches that to ignore God is to reject true wisdom. And so in chapters 1 to 8, uh, the case has been made for choosing wisdom over folly. And uh, Kurt helped us to see that fairly clearly last week. And so now we come to chapter 9 of Proverbs, and the reader is presented with a choice, with two ways to live. Uh, and the way that choice is presented is in a whole lot of twos, you might have noticed. Uh, so as we've read through there today, we see that there are two women to choose from, woman wisdom and woman folly. There are two houses that belong one to each woman. There are two meals prepared by the women. Uh, there are two invitations made, one by each woman to the same audience. There are two, responsibles sorry, two responses possible, and there are two outcomes depending on which woman is responded to. However, despite the different ways the choice is presented, there are ultimately only two ways. That is, there is the way of wisdom or the way of folly, that is, foolishness. And the choice the reader is asked to make is, with whom will you dine? And let's just take a moment to have a closer look at the way of wisdom here in these verses. Chapter 9, verse 1, let me just pick it up for you there. 
Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now notice here that wisdom is personified as a woman. She's an industrious woman who has built her house and prepared a a lavish banquet for those who will accept her invitation to dine. And so to enter into wisdom's house is to live in a rich dwelling. Some of the earlier chapters actually talk about how brilliant woman wisdom is. Uh, Have a look there on the screen at uh, chapter 3, back in chapter 3 of Proverbs, verses 13 to 18, and then we'll look at chapter 4. But let me just read from chapter 3. It says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Or down in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 to 9. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honour you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So here is a, a father urging his son, whatever you do, get wisdom. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And that's what these first nine chapters of Proverbs are about. A father urging his son to run as fast as he can from folly into the life-giving arms of woman wisdom. Now, Proverbs actually gives us a deeper understanding of what wisdom is by the words that it associates with it. So words like insight, understanding, discretion, discernment, prudence. And there are ethical terms also like righteousness, justice, virtue. In other words, wisdom means recognising the true nature of a situation and thus being able to speak and act in an appropriate way. It actually means having the ability to differentiate the right way to handle life from the wrong way. It actually means carefully considering a situation before rushing in. And it recognises that there is an ethical quality to wise living. The wise are on the side of what is good, right, true. And so now in chapter 9, woman wisdom makes that offer to the young man, that is to the reader, to come and dine with her, to embrace her. And see there in verse 4, she gives the invitation. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. There are kind of sensual overtones in these verses, which we understand when we realise 
that at one level the reader is a young man beginning his journey in life. And the idea of coming in to share in the banquet that she has prepared is the idea of relationship. In the ancient Near East, uh, to share in a meal with someone was to enter into a relationship with them. And the idea here is to embrace wisdom, to enter into a lifelong relationship with her. It's to hear her instruction and follow her ways. Because the one who does, as chapter 8 verse 35 says, will find life and obtain favour from the Lord. Let's just have a closer look at her audience here because her invitation notice is to whoever is simple, to him who lacks sense. Kind of an idea that links well with the idea of young men, doesn't it really? Um, But the simple here are neither, rather so that we don't mistake it, the simple here are neither wise nor foolish. In a sense, they're just unformed or perhaps immature. They can do stupid things, but they're not essentially like the fool or the scoffer. Uh, there is one major difference between the fool or the scoffer and the, uh, the, between them and between the simple-minded, and it can be summed up in one word, really, the word teachability. Fools despise wisdom and discipline, but the simple-minded will at least listen. Now, that doesn't mean uh, Proverbs is only for the simple, because the wise and mature will go on increasing in wisdom as they remain in relationship with woman wisdom. In other words, if they go on in their relationship with God. Because woman wisdom is the personification of God's wisdom. And so Proverbs is actually for everyone with one notable exception. That is the fool. In fact, the fool excludes himself because he doesn't fear the Lord. There is no wisdom without God. And the wise person must be actually open to God's fundamental role in the world and in their lives. The fool is excluded because, uh, as Psalm 14 verse 1 says, uh, it tells us that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now that's consistent with the two responses that we see in verses 7 to 9 here in Proverbs 9 that can be made to woman wisdom's invitation. Let me just pick it up at verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. These verses are indicative of the two ways that a person can respond to God's wisdom. The scoffer or the fool won't have a bar of it. He's defensive or abusive. He'll be offended by the suggestion that he's wrong and that the wisdom of God is the way to walk. On the other hand, of course, the wise person will be seen to be wise by their teachability, their desire to increase in learning. They're humble and ready to learn. They're not proud. The attitude of the wise is to accept godly correction because they will become even wiser. Well, in verses 11 and 12, we see the outcome of the wise response to woman wisdom's invitation. Look at verse 11. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. 
Now, for the Jew, for the, the person of God, uh, the Israelites, uh, God had made them great promises. And, and living God's way, so trusting God, obeying God, living his way in his world, that is in right relationship with him, meant for them long life and blessing in the land that God had given to them. But that promise, while not exactly the same way in which God made that promise to the people of Israel, that promise is even more impressive for us as Christians. Because God doesn't simply add years and blessing to our lives now as we obey him, but better still, what he does offer us is he gives us eternal life as we take up that invitation of woman wisdom to fear the Lord, to trust him and be wise. Well, that brings us to the second and final section of chapter 9 from verses 13 to 18. And so from verse 13 we read that the woman folly is loud, She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. See, here, the alternative to woman wisdom stakes her claim. She is woman folly. Now, note the similarities. Uh, She, too, has a house and a meal to offer. Uh, She, too, makes an invitation to the same audience, the simple, to come in and dine with her and to experience her bounty. Only here, there are some significant differences, aren't there? And for a start, woman folly is loud. Uh, She's brash. She's kind of manipulative and coercive. She sticks her nose in where it shouldn't be. She's ignorant. And worse, she's ignorant of being ignorant. She's the complete opposite of wisdom. And as well as those things, woman wisdom and woman folly have the same audience. That is, young men on the path of life, immature, still in the process of development, and therefore at a critical moment of decision. But beneath the imagery... We're actually all a part of the audience who is being addressed by these two women here. All of us actually need to place ourselves in the position of that unformed audience. And we need to make a decision. Follow wisdom or follow folly. Both want a relationship with the reader. But the difference is in what they offer. Wisdom, a fine banquet. Folly, stolen water bread eaten in secret. We saw earlier the the nature of this fine banquet that wisdom offers. Uh, It's insight, understanding, discretion, discernment, prudence, righteousness, justice, virtue. It's navigating life in the best possible way. Folly, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. It fails to understand the true nature of God's world. It's ignorant and unstable. It's arrogant, senseless, loves wrongdoing and wickedness, spreads trouble and discord, it's perverse, it deceives and is is deceived. And all we need to do is open any old news feed today and we have all the evidence we need that so many people are blindly embracing the invitation of woman folly. And it's tragic to read the results. The human pain and anguish unleashed by our arrogant foolishness. We think we know better than God. 
Albert Einstein made the point, the difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limits. You know, the strength of woman's folly, woman folly's temptation here is that they're forbidden pleasures. So the power of sin, remember, kind of comes alive in us when it's provoked like that. Just as children do what they're told not to, just because they're told not to. As one commentator said, Ah, sinner, there is no such thing as secret sin. All is exposed before God's eye. You know, I said before that uh, woman wisdom is the personification of God's wisdom. Uh, But just as true is that woman folly is the personification of sin and idolatry and the devil. And sin is no less keen to destroy than wisdom is to save us. Well, here's the point. Both these women want a relationship and they compete for attention. Uh, Proverbs makes it clear that this decision is a matter of life or death. The question is, with which woman will you dine? Wisdom or folly? Ultimately, it's a question that is asked of every single one of us. But it's not just a, a question simply of whether I want to live this life well and with integrity as opposed to living it foolishly. I mean, I take it that would be what most people want. Wisdom is available to those who want to receive it, Proverbs 9 says. But how do I get it? Well, can I remind you that it's a call. It's an invitation that you need to respond to. And as Kurt reminded us last week, it's a gift that is being offered to us. It's whether you want to be related to the wise one or to the foolish one. See, when we read the New Testament, we actually understand that choice much more clearly. Because in the New Testament, including the passage that we read today from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus is the embodiment of the wisdom of God. The choice that stands before us in Proverbs 9, embodied in woman wisdom and woman folly, is do we dine with Jesus or with the devil? See, Jesus himself actually makes that invitation even more clearly when he says to us, will you follow me? And he says that to every single one of us. In John's gospel, Jesus speaks to every one of us and he says, uh, says, when he says today, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, the only way to live this life well And with integrity is to be in relationship with the only truly wise one. To be in a relationship with Jesus and to receive the gift of life that he offers every single person. You know, Sir James Simpson understood that well. Now, Sir James Simpson discovered chloroform. It was a magnificent discovery because it revolutionised medicine. Uh, Before that find, any kind of surgery was a nightmare. Uh, And so because of this revolutionary discovery, the uh, Chicago Natural History Museum honoured him by placing a kind of a larger-than-life photo of him on the wall at the entrance to their medical research section. Anyway, on one occasion, a reporter was interviewing the famous researcher, uh, and his first question was, Sir James, would you please tell me what you consider consider to be your most important discovery? 
And his immediate response was, well, my most important discovery was when I found out that I was a sinner in the sight of a holy God. The journalist was obviously a little bit startled, a little bit taken back, pretty sure that uh, that response wasn't going to get his article printed, and so he tried again. Uh, Well, thanks, uh, Sir James, but can you now tell us perhaps uh, what you consider to be your second most important discovery? The famous scientist replied, young man, my second most important discovery was when I found out that Jesus died for a sinner like me. See, Sir James had found wisdom. He'd found life and he had obtained the favour of the Lord. He had actually understood that his great intellect and his incredible achievements isn't what really mattered. And so what about Alan Bond? Was he wise? Well, there's no doubting that there was a level of wisdom in the way that he handled that particular situation. He applied the knowledge of his situation and human nature uh, to make a wise response but you can hardly call a man who is, spent, who is sent to jail for fraud and who harms thousands of people in the process, you can hardly call him a wise man. See, according to Proverbs' view of wisdom, he was a fool. If you're wise, you'll know your rightful position in God's universe and you'll choose his way. If you act as though God isn't relevant to your life and choose what the world thinks is best, the Bible says that's folly. If you're not yet following Jesus, he's making that invitation to you right now, today. Do you want to embrace relationship with the God who made you and loves you? You don't have to wait for something to happen. The offer is there for you today. If you want to know more about it, if you want to know how to do that, come and talk to me later. Talk to Randall. Talk to anyone who's brought you along today. But if you're already a Christian, you need to realise that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We need to harness the wisdom that is in Christ and in his word that will enable us to navigate life well. See, Christians are sometimes guilty of claiming to follow Jesus but failing to listen to what he says, to running our lives our own way, disobeying the wisdom that he gives, the wisdom that comes as we read his word. And then we can wonder why our lives end up in such a mess. Now, that's not to say that those who follow Jesus will never suffer or face hard things. We clearly know that that's not not the reality. Jesus himself, the perfectly wise man, suffered the death on the cross. Jesus does remind us, though, that in this world that is sinful, that we will have troubles. But Jesus has overcome this world and he offers us true life and relationship with him. It's foolish to say that you trust in Jesus and then to fail to do what he says. But in general, it's not that hard to understand why there is such a lack of wisdom in our world. Most people continue to think God is not worth their time and energy. And you know what? God is calling on us to make that truth known by the way that we speak and live amongst them. And while it's not all plain sailing as Christians, surely as Christians with all the resources of God's wisdom available to us, we should always be growing in wisdom as we navigate life in God's world in a way that honours him 
and pleases him and brings us great joy. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the depth of your love and concern for us. We are so often, often not wise. Even those of us who know your word so often fall back on thinking that we know better. Please forgive us when we foolishly do that. Father, thank you that Jesus' call to follow him is a call of wisdom, a call of understanding who you are, putting our hope and trust in you, knowing that life is found in no one else but Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. And so, Father, I pray that uh, you would continue to be with us, those of us who know the Lord Jesus, that we would see the great wisdom that comes from knowing you more and more as we open your word and study it together and encourage each other with it, help us to do that more and more. For those of us who don't yet know Jesus, Father, I pray that you in mercy would help us to see the reality that in God, in Jesus Christ, is true wisdom, is true life, is true hope. And we ask, Lord God, that you would help us with this today. In Jesus' name. Amen.